It is our uh, joy and privilege this morning to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus, to exalt his name, to raise his name in song, to hold him up as the uh, fairest among the sons of men, as the chiefest among 10,000, and we lift up his name. This is our distinct privilege as the church. You know, people are always wanting to be special, to be unique, to do something that is um, that only they can do. And this idea of lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus in this world, this is our distinct privilege. We're the only ones that can do it. The saved believer is the only one who can truly declare this aspect of the Lord's glory. We were singing about how the angels, they can look on and see the love of God. They can see the sacrifice paid for our salvation, but they haven't experienced it in the same way that the church has. It's our distinct, special privilege in this world. What we're doing this morning this is what we were made for. This is, as a human being, this is the highest thing that we can ever attain to sing the praises of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so even though it may seem a humble thing, this is the pinnacle of human experience to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I hope that all of us on the call can feel the weight of it and to know there's no better place that we could be. There's no better thing that we can be doing than praising the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to just think a little bit this morning and reflect on the idea of lifting him up. If we can look quickly at Genesis 40, and we'll see uh, in a type, in a picture, the two different things that it can mean to lift up the Son of Man. So if we can see in Genesis 40, this picture, and then we'll see how the Lord Jesus picked up this idea and applied it to himself in his own ministry. So Genesis 40 gives us two dreams dreamt by the servants of Pharaoh. And if you know the story, this is when Joseph was thrown in prison. And um, while he was there, he was given authority over the inmates in that prison. And two people were thrown in, a butler and a cupbearer, or sorry, a, a cupbearer and a baker to Pharaoh. They had done something wrong, and they were spending time in that prison. And they came to Joseph one day, and they told him both of them had received a dream. And I can just maybe just read through the passage so we can hear these two dreams, starting in verse uh, six, 
When Joseph came to them in the morning, these two servants, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we've had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. So on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief, chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So we know this story well, probably, and we oftentimes think of Joseph as a picture of the Lord Jesus, and rightly so. But interestingly, the baker and the cupbearer also could be seen as a picture of the Lord Jesus, because when he was lifted up on the cross, he fulfilled the baker's dream. He suffered there that we might be set free. That's one way that he was lifted up, but that doesn't fully exhaust that phrase for the Lord Jesus, because we know in three days he was also lifted up from the tomb in resurrection, in fact, lifted up to heaven in ascension. And so like the cupbearer, the Lord Jesus was lifted up in exaltation. These two men both give us a glimpse of the Lord Jesus's ministry here on earth. On the one hand, he was lifted up to ridicule, lifted up to suffering and death on the cross. And yet, on the other hand, we see him lifted up in exaltation by the Father. 
If you could flip over to Isaiah chapter 52, we can see that the writer of this song, we oftentimes refer to these as Isaiah's servant songs. There's several of them in this portion of Isaiah, and I believe this is the fourth of his servant songs. It starts in Isaiah 52, verse 13, and runs through our famous chapter there, Isaiah 53. This is one of those great servant songs. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, whether Isaiah knew it or not, whether those who were listening to his prophecy realized the full extent of it, this was speaking of the Lord Jesus. One of the ways we know that is because when Philip meets that eunuch on the road and he's reading this very passage, he said, who is he talking about? And Philip was able to say, it is about Jesus. And so in Isaiah 52, verse 13, the prophet says, behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. But what does that lifting up look like? It looks like Isaiah 53. So on the one hand, in God's eyes, he exalts his servant. He lifts him high. But when it comes to the evil in this world, the principalities and powers and all who are under sway and they're under the sway of them, they lifted up him as the man of sorrows to bear the curse of sin. And so lastly, we can see in John that the Lord Jesus sees both of these as coming to its full expression in his own ministry. And so three times in the book of John, in the gospel of John, we hear the Lord Jesus applying this phrase to himself. And I can just look at them quickly and we can have just a couple reflections on what does this mean to us today? So the first one comes in this well-known passage in John 3. And in each instance, let's pay attention. Who is his audience? Who is he talking to? So in John 3, he's speaking to Nicodemus. He's speaking to a Pharisee, one who was religious, who was devoted to God, but one who still had the veil over his eyes when it comes to seeing clearly what was right in front of him. And so he was able to say to Nicodemus in John 3, verse uh, 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So that's the first instance. He tells Nicodemus, one who was seeking the truth, he came to him, I believe, seeking for the truth. And he said, the Son of Man will be lifted up. Why? So that those who look to him can have eternal life. Then flip over to John chapter 8. 
Once again, his audience now in John 8 is the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, people who were curious about him, but they were not, um, they were not committed to following him or acknowledging him as the Messiah. And he said in John 8, verse 28, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, really he just says there, that I am and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And so there he is again, speaking to the crowds, the questioning crowds. And he said, soon you will lift me up and you'll see the fullness of God revealed in me. Now, I don't know what they thought when they heard that. They probably thought he meant He was going to be exalted, maybe lifted up to a throne and come in his power. But on the one hand, we know this spoke of his sufferings. And on the other hand, his exaltation by the Father. And then lastly, it comes in John 12, his last public statement before he goes inside the locked door and talks to his disciples before going to the cross. So in this last public statement in John 12, as the Gentiles were seeking him, the Greeks were coming to find him, and he tells his disciples that he is troubled as he reflects on the coming cross. And here we have the full explanation of this phrase, to be lifted up. In verse 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And then John says, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And then it says, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. And then it goes on to quote from Isaiah once again. This is the reflection for this morning. The Lord Jesus has been lifted up by sinful men in this earth and crucified. But he's also been lifted up by God the Father in exaltation. Which one are we doing this morning? Our hearts are full of Christ. In this world, we either lift up the Lord Jesus to ridicule and shame 
by our actions, by the way we're living, or we are lifting him up in exaltation and praise. Let us take that responsibility, to take that privilege of with our life, with our words, with our actions, lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus in praise and in honor. Because it's one or the other, whether people realize it or not, they are either lifting up the Lord Jesus in scorn and shame or lifting him up in praise and honor. Let us do the latter. Let us be the ones to exalt him in this scene, to fulfill our God-given privilege of lifting him up in praise and adoration. And one day we will be caught up to meet him and to be ever with the Lord. We humble ourselves now that at the right time, God might lift us up and exalt us as well. And so we just give thanks for these few thoughts as we think about the exaltation and lifting up of the Lord Jesus. Might it encourage you and me to live our lives in light of those truths for his glory. Amen. 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 Amen.